All right, we're going to talk about uh, the Super Caliber, the Trek, a new cross-country Gen 2 that was released on the 10th as promised. Going to do some World Champ stuff, some uh, Canadian talk. Uh, the XCC is now over. Had a few interesting things going on there. Of course, the uh, XCO coming up tomorrow has got a couple uh, interesting things going on there. And we're going to talk about a couple other weird things that you probably didn't know about the world champs. And, of course, we'll come up with a few new things to discuss as well. So, let's get going. All right, we're going to start off talking about the Trek Super Caliber. Why do you keep talking about the Trek Super Caliber is probably what you're saying to yourself. Well, I'll tell you because I've been thinking I might want to get something new for the next uh, couple seasons. And I don't know, Trek being a Midwest company, and that's honestly the majority of the bike shops I have around me are Trek dealers. It just kind of made sense to look at what they had. That's what I have now. I have a Top Fuel from 2016. And the Super Caliber, the Gen 1, as they're calling it, just didn't didn't seem like a logical uh, next step for me to go go from 100 front and rear to something uh, much less in the rear. I did like the two water bottles. I almost, several times, I almost bought one just to get that second water bottle. But ultimately, something just kept me from doing it. So I was kind of, you know, really looking forward to this new version, thought, well, for sure they're going to add some more travel. Kind of honestly expected something a little more a little more new, I don't know, different. I guess it looks pretty much the same. Uh, we won't go into all the details if you want to, you know, you can just that stuff's all over the place now. There's reviews on everybody's website as usual for all the details, but a couple things I'm still not sure about. The prices, of course, are still insane. But uh, the weights are kind of, I don't know, they seem a little high. But I guess I did some more research. I was also looking at a Santa Cruz blur. And the weights are about the same. Now the blur does have a full old school 100 mil travel out back. Uh, so there's that. And the weight of it, the weight of their bikes are actually about the same. Maybe a little less for the Santa Cruz models. But 24-ish pounds for a eight or $9,000 bike. It's supposed to be kind of, you know, near top of the line cross-country. It just seems a little high to me. I guess I was expecting more around a 22, 23 range. Now, they are putting some giant 2.4 tires on there. And they are have droppers on everything as standard. I get that. I get that there's more weight. I mean, those tires alone... 2.4s, you're going to, front and rear, you're going to add a pound just for those. Dropper, you're going to add a half pound maybe. And these are all without pedals, of course. So, I mean, a decent pair of XTR pedals are three quarters of a pound right there. So, you're talking 25 pounds for a $9,000 race bike with 80 mil of travel. And that's the super light, the SLR version. One thing I did find really strange is the two to 200 gram weight loss of the SLR is partially due and they're they're almost 
touting it as it's a feature that they remove the uh, cable tunnels inside the frame. So you just go back to old school wrapping the cables in foam to keep the uh, noise down. That to me does not seem like something I'd be bragging about. I, I think the tunnels, the uh, ports for the cable, you just shove a cable in the hole and it comes out the end. Uh, to me that sounds like I'd want that. I don't care if you're racing or not. But what do I know? The other interesting thing is, of course, yeah, the, the rear brake float. They're calling it a rear floating brake mount. That's interesting. Uh, I, I don't know. They did release a frame only. $4,000. Four grand for just the frame. That means you got to buy the remote, I'm guessing. There's another 50 to 100 bucks. I don't know. Just seems like a tough sell for me right now. I almost want to actually start looking outside a Trek and get something more traditional, even the Epic. Even the brain isn't looking so bad right now. I love the fact that these Epic models with the brains have only two cables going uh, for the brakes. That just looks so clean. Now, of course, I, I did not really expect them to put a flight attendant uh, on these models it's hard to think that you know all these these this model 24 was probably in development you know at least a year ago if not two years ago so everything's just shifted it it is odd to me that rock shocks released all the new sids and then and then immediately start releasing flight attendant forks on all the pro bikes i mean half of them have it half of them don't seems like that might have been logical to release that altogether and then these new 24 model bikes would have an option for the flight attendant so let's let's look at the top of the line super caliber over 11,000 bucks no power meter although somebody did mention there might be a one-sided the spindle power meter but not they don't you know they're not giving you the uh the uh, the nice uh, spider chainring based so there's another, I don't know, what are those costs? 600 more? And now you had flight attendant. I mean, you're talking 13, 14 grand for a super caliber with all the goodies. Wowzers. And if you look at the XTR version of the super caliber, it's like two grand less. The only thing different is if, of course, you don't get the transmission wireless, which, you know, I agree that should cost more, but not the whole group is two grand. So the difference between an XTR group and a top-of-the-line uh, transmission is not too grand. It's, last I checked, it's probably eight or 900 at the most. So, man, they're just piling it on. I guess that's what it costs nowadays to have the top-of-the-line uh, components. But still, I was kind of bummed with the weights and, uh, you know, giant 2.4 tires now. I know a lot of people are using those. I'm not saying that's a horrible thing. But you start talking 25 pounds for a cross-country top of the line. I don't know. Seems too much. What do I know? Let's move on to the world champs. First of all, shout out to Canada. The junior women, first and second, gold and silver. Um, those two women seem to be at the top of their class right now. It's interesting. I, I never paid any attention to the juniors. 
or the U23s, to be honest. There just wasn't much going on there. But I'm starting to realize now these these categories are actually extremely interesting. Figuring these these are going to be your next, you know, elite World Cup racers. Not all of them. Some of them might might not keep going, but uh, I bet, you know, certainly the ones at the top probably have every intention to eventually get into the elites. And it's been a while, you know, the juniors are the next U23s who are the next elites. So let's, let's see what happens. Uh, it kind of led me down the road when I was doing a little research about the current Canadian team. And I forgot that um, Catherine Pendrell is if she's not the main coach, I know she's one of the top uh, top people in the Canadian program. And I started, and I was around, of course, during her heyday, but that was probably the period where I paid least attention. I kind of had a, I still raced every year. There was no Red Bull, you know, so it wasn't easy to just watch every single World Cup and keep track of that. You had to read, you know, still back in the magazine days, where everything is a month or two late. So I kind of forgot how dominant she was and how great and how long of a career she had. So for her to be kind of working with the uh, younger generation, I mean, that's only going to equal good things, I would think. So there, I hope those juniors and U23s are, are appreciative of having somebody of her caliber uh, help running that show really really cool i still follow her instagram she still rides still looks the same she she could probably still do pretty good at world cups if she wanted to so that's very cool um, let's move on to the short track we all know what happened there no spoilers that's over now for a day or two no surprise at all to me that gaze killed that i mean I, I, not that it matters the the, the physical physique of these athletes but wow Sam Gaze looks like he looks like Vanderpool I mean he's skinny and he's just the right height where he just looks like he's absolutely pure power and man oh man did he lay it on there so I think Nino was probably smart not bothering uh, doing the short tracks same with Flickiger I think that was Gaze's race to win no matter what I think he was determined to uh, to kill it so nothing surprising there. Uh, it was it was, you know, we all expected Luca Schwartzbauer. At least it seemed like he had probably the best best next shot at gold. And you know, we all, in case you didn't watch the video, I'm sure you probably did if you're listening to this. You know, the old Pid, did Pidcock railroad that that guy right into the ground. Ah, man, that's a tough one. To me, it was not the classiest move, but I am not going to, uh, you know, say one way or the other who was right or wrong. It just looks to me like Luca got a little spooked. I mean, if you're not expecting somebody in any situation like that to come zipping up right next to you that quick. I mean, if you watch the five seconds before that turn, Pidcock was absolutely flying straight down that hill. He was going through there no matter what. You're not expecting that, and somebody's suddenly there. You don't really have time to react. You know, it's kind of nerve-wracking. It's almost like getting scared, you know, 
when somebody pops around a corner and scares you, it's like that. Like you just kind of don't have the reaction time to do something. And if he saw him coming and saw him squeezing in there, you would imagine Luca would simply go wide. Pidcock would squeeze in there, and then maybe they'd have a gnarly sprint to the finish. But, uh, man, that was a tough call for Luca. I, I think he was really... Uh, Kind of wanting to, he probably would have got a silver in that situation. Well, maybe not a silver. That was pretty solid too. So, but at least he would have got a bronze. So, that just adds to the old Pidcock legacy. I read a lot of things online. How people seem to not like him. I never really knew there was anything like that going on until recently. So now every time I watch him race, I'll be watching it through the uh, idea that maybe he's not well liked could just be rumors who knows tend to believe it though from the people who said it uh that leads us to the xco coming up tomorrow i'm very excited about that that is of course the the big one that everybody's been waiting for let's just to me pfp is going to win that thing um if you saw the way she raced that short track that was old school pauline she just sat there right at the front didn't let anybody go and then right when she, boom, when she wanted to, she took off and then nobody could catch her. And that's, I think, you know, probably how it'll go. Now, whether she waits till the last lap, we won't know, of course, for sure until tomorrow. But the last time I noticed when she looked that skinny, I mean, she looks anorexic almost, is when she just was wiping everybody out. So she looks that way again and she looks determined, and I don't know. Even I think even Puck is going to have her hands full. Puck might go out and lead for much of that race, but I bet Pauline sticks with her enough to have that last lap or two surge. I don't know. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be a really good one. Um, the start grid controversy, of course, is a thing today. That just popped up. You know, they get Vanderpool and Pidcock right in the middle. Now, Pidcock, of course, did some races early in the year. That's no surprise. I think they said fourth or fifth row. But Vanderpool technically, you know, he was last, very last call up on, until today. But I guess everybody is kind of up in arms because Peter Sagan has also suddenly went from last and he to the fourth or fifth row, and he has not raced at all, not even one time as far as I know. So why they're moving these people up, I don't know, but it's kind of interesting to see that uh, the group of racers got together and penned a letter and sent it to the UCI commissioner and basically said, hey, that ain't fair. We work way too hard to get these positions, and now you're just going to bump a couple people who really don't deserve to be bumped just because they're big stars. So, I mean, if you look at the list of names who signed, you know, this particular document, it's it's basically everybody. You got your Ninos, your Neff, Saru, LeCompte, Forster, even Haley Batten, who's not even there. I don't think she's there anyway. Hatherly, Fry, I haven't seen... It's everybody. Um, young and old, new and experience, Litcher, Koretsky. So 
interesting. Whether anything's going to happen between now and tomorrow, who knows? But I, I kind of doubt it. I'm sure once you promise uh, a, a Vanderpool and a Sagan, hey, you're going to get bumped. Probably not that easy to pull it back. Who knows? Rumor, they said that the uh, head of the UCI himself kind of made that call. I don't like it. Apparently, neither does a lot of other people. I don't really know anyone that's saying, yeah, that that's cool, man. Bump them up. Put them on the front row. You know, that's that's crazy. Even fourth row is better than the last row, big time. So it'd be interesting to see what happens uh, in that regards. Now, one thing I do want to mention that's kind of interesting about the world champs. Did you know, and I don't know, you probably didn't know, that there is a world champ... In fact, it's going on either right now or soon. Artistic cycling. That's right. Or you've seen this maybe on uh, talk shows. I've seen it years ago. You know, where you do tricks on a bike, but like dancing or almost like ice skating. You know, where you, they even have teams, doubles, where you have two, and they're riding these really freaky looking bikes with the uh, drop bars that are flipped upside down. Like I see a lot of the, uh, the people on the bike path, you know, where they take the drop bars and flip them up so they <laughs> so they can raise the grip area. And really weird-looking seats. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a real thing. World champs uh, for that type of thing. I might actually watch one just to see what it's all about. I mean, I've never, I mean, I've seen it, but I to think that there was a world champ, an actual competition of that, who knew? Uh, also, of course, the paracycling world champs is going on with the hand bikes, which are really cool. Um, that's, you know, one interesting benefit to having all these world champs in one time, in one place in one time is that you get to see a lot of other events that you didn't even realize existed. So I wonder if they're going to try this again going forward where they combine everything into one. I mean, it's logistically probably both harder and easier i mean i'd do it all at once in one place or spread it out all over the place uh, at different times i don't know i kind of like it it kind of has an olympic feel now you know to it where everything's all together i kind of like it uh we'll see what happens next year so that's it for now on the world champs of course i'm gonna do a we'll do a full follow-up on uh tuesday kind of wrap it all up super congrats to all the uh, medal winners but even that just to all the, the people who just got there in one way or another especially from some of these smaller countries these people you don't really know who don't do uh you know a bunch of world cups all over the place it's still really cool for them to be able to go and experience it uh, it's cool maybe someday we'll have a world champs in the u.s or southern parts of Canada, and we can, uh, people from the U.S. here can go experience that. All right, we're going to take a quick break. All right, shout out to Loam Lab Components, L-O-A-M-L-A-B dot bike, Loam Lab dot bike. They're, we'll keep this on a Canadian theme here, they're up in Squamish, British Columbia. Um, they don't have a whole lot of products, but the ones they have, I find extremely interesting so check them out uh, one of their products counterpunch uh, 
and little bar uh, grip and mini bar and pinky stop type things. I'm not exactly sure what I would call them, but I'm hoping that they will help me real, uh, get off my dependence of full-on bar ends because uh, these things are exactly what I was looking for. And to think that some little company up in uh, Canada already had them manufactured is really cool. So check them out, Loam Lab Components. Uh, after next week's video, you may actually understand why I'm so excited about these things and uh, maybe check them out yourself. So, loamlab.bike. Thanks. All right, let's get back to it here. Heading uh, towards the end. I do want to mention a movie I saw back at the end of June called The Last Rider. Maybe you've seen it in your YouTube feed or mentioned on uh, some other websites. It's Greg LeMond uh, documentary. Mainly about um, the tour win where he won by, I think, eight seconds. Um, I have not been to a movie in years. I'm not exaggerating. Five, six years maybe, maybe longer. I just, it's not my thing. I don't really, nothing uh, has caught my uh, fancy. So when I saw an actual movie in a theater, I thought, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go check this out. So I found uh, a, a theater near me. And it's five o'clock in the evening, and I paid my seven bucks, which is seems reasonable, and thought I'd see maybe you know a couple, couple bikers in there, and uh, kind of be kind of an event of sorts. Nope, I quite literally was the only person in that movie theater for the first ten minutes, and then uh, one straggler came in kind of missed the whole first part so it was two people seven by they made 14 bucks on that particular show but that's not the point the point is was it a good experience you know it's it, it's a great story um seeing it on a gigantic modern screen however was not all the footage is from you know the 80s and what late 80s so it was quite, quite terrible to see these grainy vhs quality images blown up you know 15,000 times bigger than it really was meant to so in that regard seeing it in a movie theater was kind of a bust uh, I would not do that again I would just pay whatever the rental fee is going to be whenever it's released I don't know maybe it's already it's been over what a month and a half now so maybe it's already available but it was a it was a good story and it's a story that I think more people should know about. I mean, I, I, I'm going to show it to my kids. I have two teenage uh, daughters who don't really care about cycling. And it was such a kind of inspirational story told by the real guy, you know, and real footage and a few behind the scenes people um, that, I don't know, it was a very inspirational. When you finish it, you think, man, that was, that guy kind of, kind of pulled off something pretty amazing. So I highly recommend it on that regards. If you just like cycling in general, even mountain biking, if that's your main thing, it was still a really excellent experience and probably worth whatever they're going to charge for the rental. So if you're ever bored, maybe wait till it gets cold here and you're sitting home during the fall, winter, nothing to watch. You've already watched all your normal stuff, nothing good on YouTube. Go check that out. 
I'm not sure when they're going to release it, if it's not already, but it's definitely worth looking at. And that's about it for now. I would like to mention next week's podcast. I concluded a interview with a, uh, I would say, a young man, I guess compared to me, young man, Casey Hildebrand. He's up near Green Bay, Wisconsin, and he's the one who recently at the U, uh, U.S. Championships, National Champs, got fifth in the short track. And if you look at the first four uh, positions, it's Colorado, 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 Wisconsin. That's what caught my eye. I'm like, whoa. And then I looked at the name Casey Hildebrand. I remember, I've seen that name before. So I went back to some uh, of the Wisconsin uh, off-road series that I do myself, and there he is at the top. He won... Won one of them already this year. I think he got fifth and fourth or second. So he, he's always at the top, and that's why that name stuck out, because I always see him. Um, he, he's, he's, his passion is cross, cyclocross racing, and so he's always at the top there too, which I actually kind of enjoy as a second, uh, second love next to mountain biking. So he had some pretty interesting things to say. He, he went to Europe, and we talk about kind of the experience of somebody going to Europe and staying over there to race. That alone I found pretty interesting. And we talked briefly about his bike and I'll show some, uh, I'll include some of the the um, video. I'm going to put the whole interview, it's uh, roughly 30, 35 minutes. I'm going to do the whole interview as a video. I, I'm sorry, I'm going to do the whole interview as a as the audio for the podcast and then I'll show some of the uh, probably five ten minutes of the highlights on video and in some pictures of his bike he has kind of a cool bike you know kind of stuff put together on there from different manufacturers than you typically see so overall I thought it was really cool and he's somebody that I'm gonna kind of follow for the rest of the year now and see what happens so we got that going next week of course, we'll talk about the world champs one last time before then we can start focusing on the the last few uh, the World Cups. Um, we got Leadville tomorrow. This is a pretty cool couple of weeks here. To me, I always follow Leadville. I love to watch. You know, you can't really watch it happen in real time. You can follow the tweets and the time checks, but that is a cool race. That's not something I don't think I could ever handle personally. <laughs> hundred miles part of it wouldn't be the end of the world but that elevation there's just no way I think I could pull that off it probably isn't worth even trying so we'll see what happens there we'll see if Keegan Swenson he's pretty much gonna win that thing I think I don't really know who else is gonna top him this year so check that out tomorrow uh, if you are bored and want to kind of see a little more cross-country stuff if, as if the world champs wasn't enough you have that to look forward to, and what else? Uh, we're gonna first video should be released next week. It's gonna kind of go along with these podcasts. With a lot of images and video that I have that might be uh, better suited as a video. That's it. May only have one podcast next week. May start adopting uh, the one a week and one video type thing. I'm not sure yet. This is all kind of fluid as I get going. So thanks again, and I hope to uh, talk to you next week.